LLC. Yeah, there it is. When that robot voice crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks. Using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or hey, maybe you're doing your chores. Maybe you're just sitting quietly in a room thinking about whether you can get one more match of Marvel Snap in before whatever it is you have to do. Whatever the case, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Their generosity, their support, their belief in what we're doing here means that you get to enjoy the show. They support us. And in return, they get some really cool stuff out of the deal. They get ad-free episodes. They get bonus content. They get video versions of the show on demand. And so much bonus content right now. Our second tier, uh, I don't even know, remember what it's called. What's the second tier called? Somebody got mad at me for saying that all the patrons get the uh, paid DLC. They don't, but our second tier gets paid DLC. Our bonus show on Wednesdays, that is so much fun. It features Lana Bashinsky, Christian Spicer, and myself. Just whatever comes up, we talk talk about it, and it is uh, almost always a zany, weird, wacky time that is uh, beloved by our patrons. But I'll tell you one thing all of the patrons are getting right now, an entire second bonus show called Feeling This, which features Christian Spicer and Alex Solman talking about games and the way they made them feel. The first episode all about Doom hit the patron feed. You can support us at any level and get that. It's pretty darn cool. So check it out at patreon.com slash DLC pod. DLC, this show, the main show, of course. You show all about games and there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who knows it's pronounced Wrexham and still didn't help me out at all, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, the guy who's watching game four of the ALC. Oh, hey, everybody. Uh, I might uh, be watching. Are we, we going to have barely a Christian on this episode? Not on this episode. Not on this episode. And yeah, feeling this first episode went out uh, Friday. They drop on Friday. Uh, the feels of video games. And their reception to the first one about Doom was overwhelmingly positive. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, please do so. Um, it's just a, a treat to talk with Alex and he's been of course on the main show and a long time dev worked on many of our favorite games over the years and, and I'm more excited episodes for coming right more 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 episodes coming they drop on Friday so uh, patreon.com slash DLC pod man Jeff I feel bad because I am kind of watching a baseball game right now but I did I was like oh what is it called and then I clicked over and I closed a tab that I use for video mm -hmm. to, for that and I panicked so that's why I sat here silently and let you not figure out what the middle tier is called. thanks uh, I appreciate it what's it called yeah, you're, I, I didn't look it up because I don't want to have my baseball game 
I'm not looking at that either. I have my mm-hmm. setup, my baseball games on my phone, my computer, both monitors are set up for the video version of this show that patrons can get on demand, Jeff. So stop. All right. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I've, I've been uh, chastened in a number of ways this week. One of them is it's called Wrexham. I get it. Welcome to Wrexham. I apologize for mispronouncing it. But hey, you know, we, we, we got a massive show for you tonight. This might be the biggest show we've done all year. It, it, it is just a cubic metric incredible it's, ton. It, it's it's quibic. It's pronounced a, a quibic. It is so much to talk about. <laughs> we've got to, we're gonna tell you our impressions, early impressions of God of War Ragnarok, Christian. I've been playing. We got we got we got so many game of the year candidates on this show in the in the playlist section of this show. It's just it's obscene. It's obscene how much uh, we have to talk about. We got news, and we have an awesome guest, ladies and gentlemen, to do that with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I am so excited because DLC stands for digitizing a love of comics. Because from Marvel, overseeing their presence on YouTube and publishing their podcast, while at the same time co-hosting his own podcast into the ether, we have our friend, Brendan Bigley back with us. Hey, Brendan. Hello. 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 Wow. So cool to be back. Uh, love the new DLC. It's very fun. Uh, and this is coming from a cool ranch supporter of your Patreon. There it is. Which is the middle tier. There it is. But, there but, it is. No, that sounds too cool ranch to be the name of a tier. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't believe that if I heard it. <laughs> there it is. How, why, how could I not have uh, remembered that? Cool Ranch supporters, we love you. We appreciate you. I, I got some uh, some blowback from uh, folks uh, that are just bold supporters. And not just. Uh, we are grateful for any level of support. That is why feeling this has been going out to and will continue to go out to every level of patron. But we uh, we appreciate the Cool Ranchers that will listen to the paid DLC show. We appreciate you very, very, very much. Uh, at all the tiers. All the tiers we do. Um, it makes the show possible, honestly. You'll notice. Feeling this was great. I'll just I'll throw that out there. Uh, very very happy backer of your Patreon with the first episode of Feeling This. I thought that was a great episode. We Can't appreciate more. it. Thank you, thank you, and more to come as we said. All right, guys, uh, this is going to be uh, <laughs> a massive episode. So let's get right into it and yeah. start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments and questions and anything you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also love seeing you as part of our communities. We have a couple. One is on the Discord, 5x5DLC on Discord. Great folks hanging out, talking about games. And also uh, our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Great people, please check it out. See if you'd like to be part of this awesome community. But Brendan, we've had uh, not one, not two, but three uh, basically uh, uh, showcases this week. So I'm curious, what would you consider to be your story of the week yeah yeah a cavalcade of events uh this week <laughs> fast I'll, I'll pick the one that spoke to me just because i have a, an affinity for the franchise i do think it's very interesting that we're getting these like franchise specific directs now 
Uh, yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to go with the Resident Evil showcase uh, because I think it was presented in a absolutely hilarious and beautiful way. Uh, <laughs> and I love the stuff that they rolled out in here. I, th- I think it was really a really special event. Yes. Uh, you know, it's spoopy season. So we got we got sure a couple is. of spoopy showcases. Uh, the Resident Evil showcase. Uh, this is not the first time that Capcom has done a Resident Evil specific showcase. Uh, this one focused a lot on the upcoming Resident Evil 4 remake. We got new gameplay footage. Uh, we got uh, news of more uh, Resident Evil Village content, including a gold edition and a new expansion that's going to have uh, DLC content, campaign content. Uh, we got a new online shooter. Oh my gosh, so much Resident Evil. Uh, mm-hmm. As someone who has an affinity for the franchise, what part of the showcase were you most excited about, Brendan? Yeah, I was just really curious what the Resident Evil 4 remake uh, was going to look like, specifically mechanically, because I, I think we all knew it was going to look stunning. Um, you know, the the RE engine that they're working in these days looks absolutely beautiful, uh, as as evidenced by Resident Evil Village, which was one of my favorite games uh, the year that it came out. Uh, and Resident Evil 4, I, I think, is one of those kind of tentpole instant classic video games. The moment it came out on, on the GameCube, I think everybody just knew immediately this one was really special uh, and yeah. really pushed the franchise into a new direction, which ended up being kind of a bad direction for some of the follow-ups. But Resident Evil 4 really stands tall above a lot of the other entries in that franchise. So you're really dealing with something delicate when you say you're going to remake it. And we've been inching slowly towards it over the years, uh, knowing obviously that this was coming at some point. But how are they going to do it? What kind of reverence do they have for the original game? What kind of changes will they make? I think we're all the questions on everybody's mind, including mine. Um, I, I first played Resident Evil 4 on the Nintendo Wii, uh, which wow. allowed you to look around the screen like a light gun with the Wiimote um, and ended up playing that game. And this is not hyperbole. I really mean this around 50 times. What? Uh, on Wii you did? Yeah. I was wow. like all in on it because I didn't have a GameCube. So I, I never played that version when they re-released it on the Wii. Yeah. Uh, I, I was I was really all in on it. It was my first time playing a Resident Evil game. And uh, what uh, one to pick to start. Um, and really, really loved that game. So I, I, I know it like the back of my hand. I'm really interested in what's going on here. And I am so stoked about what I saw from here. I do want to give a quick shout out. Actually, your previous guest, Imran Khan, wrote uh, a hands-on impression of this game. Um, that I think is super worth reading and put a lot of my like kind of lingering fears post event to to rest. Uh, specifically, uh, there's a moment that he noted from his hands on impression where Leon S. Kennedy jumps out a window, uh, yeah. but not after saying, I guess I'll see myself out, which is like, <laughs> perfect. OK, cool. You got the weird quips in there. You got the nonsense. You got the camp. And you have these striking visuals, this clear reverence for the original, and this amplification of the horror and the tension. Um, I, I think it's going to be a real a real winner. But most notably, I think it's going to be a real winner and exist alongside the original, which they're continuing to port forward onto other consoles. So you really get the best of both worlds. You get the game preservation and this new take from a new team. And I think that's really, really special. Yeah, I think that's well said. Uh, you know, RE4 was like, the Skyrim thing before Skyrim, you know, the Witcher before Witcher, the your Skyrim's on everything. They ported to everything. It's out a million times. There's a, a billion versions. I think RE4 was like the OG game that did that. I don't I don't remember a game before RE4 that was like that, where they just kept putting it out on every possible platform you could imagine. 
Um, so, I feel like you communities know, did that with Doom, but that was like the right. guy who put it on every computer in your high school. You know, right. by, that wasn't by it doing logging that. into the server. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, so it, it 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 is interesting. And in fact, I just recently played um, you know a, a large portion of the beginning of the game again in VR because it just came out Ugh. last year on uh, on a Quest a Quest Two. And so I, I bought it again. I was like, I want to play that in VR. And I thought it was really interesting that the footage that they showed uh, at this event this week of the remake was that iconic first section, you know, that I just played uh, in VR recently. And so I really had a recent memory of how it looked, you know, in VR because the Quest version is not it's not upgrading any graphics. I'll put it that way. You know, it, it was cool to do it in VR, but it still looked like, you know, GameCube or mm-hmm. Wii era graphic. It wasn't looking pretty. And this one, much prettier, much prettier, but but very much still feels, you know, all those beats. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that moment and that moment and that moment uh, from that. And even that initial like walk up to the first, you know, that first corridor of trees that you're walking through is like, yeah. oh, my gosh, those trees look so much better now. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with it, what they were able to do. You can still roundhouse kick a zombie. And, uh, as long as you got that, you know, you know, they got the spirit of the original in there. Yeah. It certainly, it, it certainly doesn't look like they've updated much of the control or, uh, you know, it's still kind of zombies like bumping into you. Like, uh, he comes out the window in the in the footage that they showed and like bumps into that lady with the pitchfork. She's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, they're keeping it uh, true to the true to the original. It's perfect. Uh, that game gets so. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played it. That game just gets very silly. If you've played yeah. the more recent Resident Evils, you know that they have a tendency to. I think I think camp is inherent to the franchise, honestly. And uh, where where Resident Evil Four goes is absolute absurdity and i just can't wait to see that in this remake it's gonna be <laughs> exhilarating uh christian um i'm curious what your what your take on the uh the presentation was w- one of the most interesting announcements that i saw uh was this resident evil village new dlc expansion which will have uh new content new narrative campaign mode uh starring ethan's daughter rose but kind of buried in here was this notion that really intrigued me, which was it's going to offer a third person mode for Resident Evil Village. Which is interesting because these Resident Evil, these new newer games have been in the first person. So what do you uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, any other week, Jeff, I'd have hands on impressions of third person Resident Evil Village as they release that demo for everybody to go and check out. but. This, unfortunately, as we will get to, was not the, not the it's week. The, it's the game apocalypse week for, yeah, for us. for me yeah. to spend time with that. But I, I love it. And I love that um, it seems, from what they've shown and talked about, that this was in consideration, perhaps, from Inception. Because we've certainly seen games before go both ways, from third to first or first to third person. And it's like, you can do it, but one is clearly the wonky version of it, whether it's you know, battlefield or, or not where like Skyrim, the tor- aforementioned Skyrim, S- Skyrim as well. And like the torso is just like, you know, a spinning top <laughs> as the legs are you know, Jimmy and yeah. all around or whatever. And you're like, Oh, this clearly isn't how it's supposed to be. But Resident <laughs> Evil, it looks like an honest to goodness 
you know, third person camera that brings a little bit of that RE4 um, perspective to Resident Evil Village, which I think is fascinating. Uh, Resident Evil Village is an incredible game and also very much of the lineage of it, it goes places and it hints at some of them very early. Resident Evil 4, of course, has its very famous merchant and Resident Evil Village uh, does its version of that merchant. I'll be vague in case people are waiting for this gold edition to get into it. But where that story goes and, and what it does is, is, is incredible. And I think the first person camera fit that game very well. But there are moments where um, I think third person would make it better in terms of atmosphere and seeing the mansion and some of the environments you get into. Mm. First person is, I think, purposefully claustrophobic and kind of, uh, at least for me, when I play tunnels, my vision into where I'm going and I have a harder time keeping track of where I am in some of these maze-like environments, which again, I think is perhaps intentional for the design and the panic of the game, especially as you're being chased. Um, but I think third person could really change that in a way that the, the game's systems do support. In, in Village, I was never as ammo-strapped as I was in RE1 or 2 and even the remake versions of that. So I think letting the player be a little more action oriented, perhaps, um, could be something really exciting. And like I, I have it downloaded, I just wasn't able to <laughs> to get to it on my PS5 yeah. this week. But I <laughs> I love it, and I love the apparent care that's going into it. I think that's the biggest testament to me for Capcom current, you know, twenty twenties or whenever the RE7 and we've kind of seen this um, revitalized Capcom going forward. They seem to really be putting the care and love and knowing what their franchises are and leaning into them in a way that gets fans really excited. And I I love seeing that continue with this gold edition of RE village. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of cool stuff. If you're a resident evil fan coming up, uh, there's another horror franchise. Uh, Christian, I'm curious what your story of the week is. That would be my story of the week is, uh, the Silent Hill transmission, uh, which had a fun little Easter egg in in said transmission that didn't come out until later. Um, this has been much leaked, uh, <laughs> much rumored, and then leaked, unfortunately, for uh, Bloober Team. But we got the official announcement of Silent Hill 2, which I remake. have to admit, I the remake correct uh the remake of silent hill 2 they're not starting with silent hill 1 silent hill 2 is the you know fans favorite of the franchise i think much like re and re2 um i have never been the biggest silent hill fan i have probably played every single one of them and i think i rolled credits on one of them and i don't know which one (laughs) like if you were to ask me like you could talk it's you know you're in the town at first and it's like foggy and then that yeah. house, you're in that house for a bit. And it's like all of them have these moments, you know? Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, the lore of that franchise has been lost on me. Mm. But what has me really excited about this and seeing the official reveal is Bloober Team behind it. Because I think they've made incredible games. Um, I've talked about many of them on this show. Medium, we talked about most recently. And them getting the chance to take on Silent Hill after the stops and starts that that franchise has potentially seen uh you know over the year with pt and various other rumors i think this is super exciting and not to mention all the other stuff that i don't know if we know enough about (laughs) at least i don't know enough about to talk about but several like this franchise is not dead 
And perhaps, Brendan, this is Konami saying, hey, we are not dead either. That was very much actually my, that was like, I, I had this bit of morbid curiosity tuning into this specifically just to see if Konami was going to at any point say like, hey, sorry, we've been gone for eight years, uh, <laughs> but we have a bunch of stuff in the works and uh, here it is. And we're very excited about it. But, you know, of course, they're just going to slide right by that. Um, I, I am fascinated by this. Uh, I, I think juxtaposed against the Resident Evil 4 remake, specifically those two events happening back to back was pretty wild. It was, but juxtaposed yeah. against the Resident Evil 4 remake, there is a little bit of of a bummer angle to this for me, which is like the Silent Hill 2 version that you can play currently. I think a lot of people are pretty unhappy with a lot of long term fans of the franchise aren't very happy with because some changes that were made there. The original is unplayable. Currently, there's no like legal way to play it. So really, all you're left with is this and like hoping that this is good and great. Um, so juxtapose against Resident Evil 4, which, again, as I mentioned, you can go play the original. It's been ported everywhere. I think it's really two strategies um, from two different game companies kind of going after a similar idea. Um, but that said, as somebody who doesn't have a huge affinity for Silent Hill, I am excited about this. I, like you, Christian, enjoyed the medium. I think I think it had some really interesting ideas in it that maybe weren't executed at like top notch. But that game aesthetically and tonally was brilliant and had some really cool visual ideas. Uh, and And that team taking that part of their talents and their strengths and merging it with this game and this structure and this story that people love so dearly i think is like a match made in heaven it just feels like the most obvious pairing of developer and and property um so i think this is kind of a best case scenario uh even though i would like to see silent hill 2 like the original ported somewhere um but still this is very exciting some of the other stuff in here i was really stoked on even though we didn't really get to see any of it silent hill townfall that teaser was so gripping and so striking visually these these deep bloody reds uh, uh on just kind of like washing onto a beach beautiful beautiful visual going on there and uh, i don't know no code studios i don't know their work but i've heard great things about it and i've always wanted to check it out um so i i'm being told by uh people in our discord community that this is the one to look out for so uh, I'm, I'm i'm excited about it well, let me just enumerate everything that was uh, that was announced because yeah. uh, you know, it, as is the case these days, you don't just announce one game. No, no, no. <laughs> if you're talking to your franchise, uh, your your franchise uh, presentation, you're going to announce four, five, six. I don't know. Baker's dozen. I don't know. Who? who what do you got? Here's a Silent Hill. You get a Silent We got skateboards. Everybody gets Silent Hill. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we talked about Silent Hill 2 remake Bloober Team heading that up. Silent Hill Townfall, as Brendan mentioned, uh, this is going to be a uh, a new project with, quote, a unique take on the Silent Hill franchise from a highly decorated double-A developer. Now, the thing that makes me perk up most about Silent Hill Townfall, like you, I'm not super familiar with No Code Studios. They did Stories Untold, which I did not play. Uh, but it is being published by Annapurna. And anything published by Annapurna, I pay attention to because they right now have the magic touch and even the stuff that I don't think is great that Annapurna publishes, it's at least interesting and worth checking out. Yeah, uh, I've not seen anything published by Annapurna that isn't at least interesting. And, and it's what a track record that publisher has right now. And the idea that they're taking on a Silent Hill sort of spinoff, fascinating to me. 
another spinoff, yet another spinoff of the Silent Hill franchise, which they're calling Silent Hill F, F like Frank, Silent Hill F, like as in Silent Hill no, I don't know. Um, but lowercase uh, f specific it is. It's how it's stylized. I wonder if it's going to be like camera related, like f stops oh, on the camera. Like uh, what was that horror movie? Fatal Frame. Fatal, Fatal Frame. Frame. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, this one's going to be set in the '60s in Japan. Uh, they're calling it a narrative-driven spinoff. Um, it's been uh, written by a, a Japanese writer uh, of some acclaim, uh, Ryukishi O7. Uh, this is uh, the, some the the same writer who created visual novels uh, that I'm not familiar with and probably won't pronounce correctly, but uh, evidently has some acclaim and some notoriety. Um, And uh, the description is it will, uh, quote, juxtapose a beautiful and terrifying world and focus on the psychological supernatural mysteries of Silent Hill. So I love that they're kind of doing variations on a theme here or, or, you know, letting people sort of experiment in the Silent Hill universe after not making a Silent Hill game for, for many years. And yeah. then we have even the most uh, far afield or strangest take on, on Silent Hill. This is going to be called Silent Hill Ascension. And people are describing it basically like a Pokemon, uh, the Let's Play Pokemon version of uh, Silent Hill. So basically it's, it's going to be um, a, a multiplayer sort of mobile game where I guess you're being hunted by some awful horror and you have to work together. Details are slim, but it, it's an interesting take on uh, what the you know what a horror game can be, what the Silent Hill franchise can be. Uh, it's coming from uh, Genvin Entertainment, Bad Robot Games, uh, Behavior Interactive, and DJ Two, uh, who we you know, friends of the show and and uh, uh, responsible for the Sonic movie and a lot of other stuff. Yeah, Speaking a lot of, movies, of talent. They- a lot what? of talent on this, a lot of talent on that game also, where you yeah. look at like the people that are ponying up money, yeah. people and time for it. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know much about it, but clearly there is something there that has people excited. And yeah, totally. I think that's reassuring. Yeah. And then, and then of course there will be a Silent Hill movie return to Silent Hill or a, a sequel, I guess a pseudo sequel, third movie in the series. Um, of uh, Silent Hill that was also announced as well. So Which, um lots I, I will of just Hill say, stuff. If someone ever asks you to return to Silent Hill, your answer is no. I'm gonna pass. Like that's no thing. <laughs> I've been there once. It was awful. Uh yeah. these are the people that died. I made it out. I'm, gonna, I'm not I'm not going back. I'm gonna spend my vacation in Raccoon City instead. <laughs> where things are safe <laughs> and calm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was considering yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park. I know things didn't go super well last time, but, uh, but they, they figured it out. It's a whole island now. They don't even have a fence up. The dinosaurs can roam anywhere. Exactly. It's, yeah. the, it's the beauty of seeing them in their natural habitat. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I love just watching Pyramid Head exist on an island. <laughs> I, I'm with you, Christian, on on the take on Silent Hill. I remember in college, we all played Resident Evil 2. Uh, and, and we were like, oh man, that was so much fun because we all played it. In, we all, you know, shared a dorm room. We were playing uh, Resident Evil 2, like passing the controller around and helping each other solve the, the, mm. the puzzles and stuff. It was so much fun. And they're like, well, we got to, there's another one of these. We're going to do another one of these. Let's just try that Silent Hill game. And, uh, it felt like a massive step backwards, but, uh, we did, there was some, you know, there was some, some fun to be had running around in the fog it looks like that remake is going to still have fog even though 
it was fog because of the limitations <laughs> of the hardware back then. You know, you couldn't do draw distance. So they went, let's turn that bug into a feature. You know, let's turn the, the flaw into the reason. So it's interesting that like, well, we're still doing the fog. It looks really cool. It's a volumetric fog now and not just like, uh, we stopped doing polygons there. <laughs> but but uh, I know there's yeah. lots of people that absolutely adore that franchise. And it's cool that they're coming back in such a big way. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping honestly I, I I'm speaking a little bit out of turn because I don't really know the ins and outs of the franchise, but I I struggle to think of what I consider to be kind of the hallmarks of it outside of I know it's psychological horror every time and I know you're visiting Silent Hill every time and it's foggy. And I'm wondering <laughs> I'm wondering like what what really is there that's like the meat on the bone or alternatively what I think is actually maybe even a more exciting prospect is if it's just an anthology horror series and can be whatever every time and you're handing this brand to a bunch of different super creative teams and people to make whatever they want as long as it's scary, that's also a really exciting prospect, I think. Yeah. Um, if if it was kind of taking a Cloverfield approach in a way where like you don't know what you're going to get, but it's going to be a cool and interesting idea. Right. I mean, I sign me up for that. That sounds cool to me. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really cool. Clearly, Konami went, "Hey, Silent Hill has a, a cachet. The name has cachet. It equals spooky, yeah. scary. So let's make some spooky, sp- scary games and let some really cool people work in that with that title to get attention on those games. That's awesome. But yeah. you know, we don't have any idea other than uh, oh, I guess they haven't announced any releases for anything. So we don't know when any of this stuff's coming. Um, and some of it probably much farther out than others of it. But uh, it's cool that Konami went, hey, we're staking our flag in the ground and, and you're going to get a lot of Silent Hill over the next however many years. Yeah. Uh, my story of the week is the third of these showcases. Uh, and it, it's uh, decidedly different. <laughs> we were, we're in spoopy season. Lots of spoopy stuff. I love the spoopy stuff. A Silent Hill, Resident Evil. You're third in the trifecta of spoopy. Is the only game that lets you torture people. <laughs> putting walls around them <laughs> depriving them of food and water and the ability to go to the toilet a horror game beyond all measure the sims everybody that's right there was a new sims uh showcase they called it the behind the sims summit uh the sims 4 has evidently been out for eight years i think more than that uh it's been uh it's been around it's quite been out a long for time. so long that i think on last week's episode i said the sims 3 like as the, <laughs> you know like that's how long sims 4 yeah. has been out where i'm like i don't know it's the one the one that's been out for forever um, uh this a was a, uh, a light and fun and and uh very delightful uh presentation uh full of customization options and new things a, a reassurance that sims 4 is far from dead uh, it still has a vibrant community. And, you know, Maxis has been, I think, shepherding the Sims franchise in, in such an, an interesting way, really having it be community-centric and uh, all about the folks building things. Um, I know Sims, has been, uh, Sims 4 has been around a long time because uh, I've been married uh, eight years, and I had a girlfriend uh, before I got married. That's not was not my wife. That was very into the Sims. And we played uh, a long time. So that must have been Sims 3. So oh, your yeah. real marriage has lasted longer than your Sims marriage? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. But I treat my children the same way as I treat the Sims. Fair uh, ladders wow. in the pool. I love it. Yeah. I, try to, love and... I try to build them a house and decorate that house and make them happy. Uh-huh. And they still complain all the time. It's very similar, actually. 
Very if, only chil- if only children had those same emojis over there, <laughs> so you knew exactly what they needed and what they wanted. <laughs> in a lot of ways, my children do talk, talk in Simlish. You know, they're... <laughs> um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, there was a time in my life when I was very connected to The Sims because uh, she played it constantly, and I was very involved in that. Um, and so it's it's nice to kind of be reminded how delightful The Sims is. But I'm burying the lead here because they did a classic one more thing at the end of this showcase, announcing the next Sims game. They're not calling it Sims 5, at least not yet. It may, it may well become Sims 5, but right now they're calling it Project Renee, which is a name that is supposed to sort of evoke uh, reimagining, renaissance, renewal, uh, all those things. Uh, and they're talking about how this game is going to be built uh, with a lot of community involvement and feedback that it will, uh, they showed some um, customization. They didn't show any characters, so we don't know what the characters are going to look like. And it's, this is clearly far away, uh, this uh, Project Renee. They talk about it being uh, multiple years away at least. And uh, the fact that Maxis has never shown anything this early uh, but it's interesting that, they, you know, they are also planting a flag in the ground and saying, hey, there's more Sims coming. It's going to be a brand new installment and it's going to be uh, built alongside our continued support of the Sims for uh, and Sims Online or Sims Mobile or whatever it is. Uh, and they showed some interaction between a mobile version and a PC version where the things you would do on mobile, you know, making your couch different shapes and different patterns re- was reflected immediately on the on the PC version. So. Uh, I know just this like is watchdogs. A... Yes, <laughs> they're finally <laughs> delivering on the watchdogs promise. <laughs> I'll load those many E3s ago. Uh, Brendan, do you, I don't know. I mean, this isn't the, the kind of game we usually cover in depth here, but I, I think it's really cool that the Sims is still going strong. It's, it's a game yeah. that I played a lot during, you know, the heyday of Sims. You know, I played it with that girlfriend, but I also, you know, like it was a big game and it still has a very passionate fan base. So uh, I think this yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the two things that were huge takeaways for me here. Number one, The Sims 4 is going free to play, which I think is great. Right, I didn't and, even mention and that. Yeah. Talking about serving that community, making it even bigger by allowing more people access to it is, you know, the, the best thing you can possibly do. I imagine, and I don't know the specifics, but I imagine it's the base Sims, and then you can buy the 400 expansions that they've made <laughs> yeah. over the eight years uh, if yeah. you want to. But what I will say is I, I have, uh, just out of curiosity, kind of like embedded myself in the Sims community here and there because I've been curious about checking it out for our show um, just to see because I know that the community is still really active and really vibrant, and, and Maxis and EA seem to be responding to them a lot. And what I've seen a lot... Uh, in terms of the creativity of players is the ways in which they've been able to take the items that have been in that game for all eight years and twist and contort them into new things. So taking Mm -hmm. like taking a a vase and flipping it upside down and then taking a different plant and just kind of like embedding that into the middle of the vase to make a different looking plant than the one that is stock in the game. Those kinds of really creative forms of expression in the Sims, I think are kind of what makes the, the fantasy of building your own house and furnishing it the way you want a reality. Uh, and Project Renee seems like the next step in that. It seems like an acknowledgement that this is a thing that people are doing. And not only do we love that, but we're going to build an entire game that supports that and makes it so you're not like coming up with weird hacks, but we're just allowing you to be as creative as you want. And that really is is like 
the the top level thing you could possibly do when serving a community. So I, I think Project Renee looks very cool. Um, I, I think the fact that they're announcing it this early and also saying we do want your feedback uh, can sometimes be dangerous, but I think in this case it's going to be uh, probably super helpful for them. So I, I, I think it's going to be great, and I'm excited to download The Sims 4 now that it's free to play. I, yeah. I'm going to check it out. Uh, I haven't played The Sims since the first one, so uh, going to be stoked about it. Well, you articulated what was interesting about that presentation so much better than I did. I, I appreciate that. That's so so well said. Uh, Christian, do you have anything to add? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty um, terrible simulation. My, 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 no, I was just trying to give my take too. in a way that was less articulate than yours. So we'd uh, have, uh, you know, uh, good, the full spectrum. No, you, don't, yeah. you, you do that anyway. You don't have to. Hey, what's your <laughs> face? Um, I think for me, what's most exciting about Project Renee is what they're hoping to do in terms of multiplayer. Again, mm. Sims, a collaborative Sims, if done correctly, is very exciting. And I think a lot of folks, while Animal Crossing's multiplayer was very limited, a lot of people really rallied around the versions of that multiplayer that was there. I mean, Gary created an entire late night talk show that was wildly successful early on uh, during the pandemic and through Animal Crossing. And The Sims is a game that also lends itself very much to that style of, as Brennan mentioned, kind of free thinking outside of the box of what the game gives you. And it does seem like Project Renee is trying to expand that. And I'm sure as soon as they give players these official ways to do the things people have been hacking into it, players are just going to find you know where those new seams are and do new exciting things so i think multiplayer and the seemingly cross progression cross play really opens up the sims to a bigger audience and something that minecraft has been doing very successfully for a very long time so it seems like this is kind of that franchise's um toe into those waters I think that's a really smart step for what this franchise is and reimagining what is The Sims in 2025, you know, or whenever this game yeah. comes out. And we live in this interconnected world where so many of these games, Fortnite, have cross progression. Yeah, there's some limitations about where you buy your credits or this, that, or the other. Um, Roblox still being a completely evil game by an evil company that exploits child labor. And then also Minecraft being excellent. Um <laughs> So I'm, I'm excited to see what The Sims becomes in, in our our, new, our strange new world, you know? Yeah, I, I'm most curious to find out what kind of, um, wh- how demanding it's going to be for your sort of base systems. Because one of the successes of Sims has been, you can play it on anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, and a lot of people who aren't investing in $1,600 video cards are... Um, you know, pl- are the base audience for the Sims people are just playing it on whatever laptop they've got. And, you know, maybe by the time it comes out, we'll all be streaming our games. Who knows? But uh, I, it'll be interesting to see how far they push the sort of graphical f- fidelity and the system requirements for the Sims, because I think they got to find that sweet spot where it's really still accessible to the people that, you know, don't really consider purchasing gaming systems for, for this kind of game. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, that's the news. But the meat of this show is the games that we've been playing because I I will tell you, dear listener, nary a time have I started prepping for an episode of DLC and looked at the list of the playlist for each of the 
participants of the podcast and been so overwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get right into it with the playlist. Brendan. Jeff. Every breath I take, every move I make. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather be playing Marvel Snap. And yeah. that <laughs> feels like a problem. Now, you work for Marvel. Let's caveat that right at the top, right? Yeah, I got to do my little disclaimer bit. Uh, I work for Marvel. Nothing I say and do reflects the views of my employer. I do also want to mention, I don't have like any insider knowledge about Marvel Snap. I don't like work with the team that made it or anything. Uh, I'm, I'm just a fan. Uh, but you've been playing it a lot longer than I have. That is the thing. Big... I've been playing it for two, three, four days. I don't know how many. They all run yeah. together when they've been playing Marvel Snap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to be included in an earlier beta test for this game when they started rolling it out uh, into some select countries um, as kind of like a limited launch just to test the game out. I was also allowed to play the game then. So I've been playing it for a couple months at this point. Um, and I said this on my own show and I, I'll repeat it here, but I, I really felt like Paul Revere, like rushing through the streets, <laughs> warning everyone I knew that this game was going to be a huge deal and was going to suck up. The time suck is coming. The time yeah. suck is coming. Uh, it was, it's pretty immediately evident that Marvel snap is, is a success on so many different levels. Um, and I know that you're a big Marvel fan. I I'd love to hear how you feel about it. I also know that you're a big, uh, Hearthstone guy, Blizzard fan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so how, how are you feeling about Marvel snap so far? Yeah, they, they combined all of my favorite crack into one super crack and now I'm addicted. It, it is, um, it's remarkably good. It's remarkably good. And, you know, also, I, I don't know uh, if you're familiar with the game Smash Up, but clearly some of the DNA uh, of a very uh, beloved tabletop game that I have in the other room right over there, about three different variations of a game called Smash Up, which is about playing cards in different locations. It's, there's a lot of different IP. I think there's actually a Marvel Smash Up uh, iteration. Um, but there's all kinds of different IP from the Smash Up franchise. But it's all about playing at different locations and you know, trying adding that area control, which is really the big innovation here. If you're comparing Marvel Snap to something like Hearthstone or Magic, is that they've added this notion of area control. So there are three locations in your in your match. Uh, they are revealed as you go through uh, the first three rounds, and they have qualities, superpowers, special rule breaking aspects. Uh, that can be good or bad, depending on your outlook. Uh, and all you have to do to win is have the most points at two out of the three locations. So you're trying to control that area. And you're playing cards down. Uh, it's not like Hearthstone where you're, where cards are directly battling each other and you, ha you have hit points and they're whittling your hit points down. It's literally, they have a cost, they have a power, uh, a, a value of power. Whoever has the most cards that have uh, that add up to the highest value in a location wins that location pretty basic but the complexity comes from the fact that a you can only play four cards per location max and you've only got six rounds total to do that in you have one uh you know you have an um, uh, energy or mana uh per round so you you know the first round you have one second round you have two third round you have three uh so the games are extremely 
exceedingly quick. They are, uh, the, the genius is that you get to play your cards at the same time as your opponent. So you don't have to worry about waiting for your opponent to go. The games go very, very fast. That's about trying to predict sometimes where your opponent's going to play things and think that through. And honestly, because it's so fast, because the structurally, the game, and I want to talk a little bit about the monetization stuff with you, but mm. because structurally the game, uh, you know, you're, you're able to make those decisions. It's only ever six rounds. You're in, you're out, you're on to the next thing. It's giving you feedback. It's just streamlined to be right into my veins. It's just every time I finish a match, I could go, I go, I could do one more. I could do one more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I know where you're coming from with that. I, I've really felt this way for like a couple months. I will say that one of my favorite games of the year was a different mobile game called Super Auto Pets that I was like all about. Um, I, I don't know if either of you have played it, but mm-hmm. is this kind of super stripped down version of an auto battler where you make this kind of small team of animals who all have their own powers. And similarly to Marvel Snap, it's you building your team, somebody else uh, asymmetrically is building their own team and then they go up head to head and you're just trying to win 10 times in a row. And it is a brilliant game. It's a brilliant distillation of that genre of games. Uh, and then I got into the Marvel snap beta and immediately was like, see you later. Super <laughs> auto pets. I'm so sorry. I've been playing you for like literally three months every single day. Uh, but Marvel snap really, really took me over. I was a big hearthstone fan pretty early on, uh, like right when it came out and, um, as much as I love that game and love a lot of what it accomplished, I was really bummed out by where the monetization went. And I think early on in, in the life cycle of Hearthstone, we didn't have the kind of discourse that we have now about the idea of loot boxes and like predatory microtransactions and things like that. Um, so the idea that I was spending all this money on cards that eventually got just like thrown in the trash as the standard deck play eventually like evolved into new expansions um really bummed me out and turned me off of kind of the entire the entire genre of collectible card games for a long time so hearing from the offset that marvel snap is by second dinner which is a new team comprised of a bunch of the people who made hearthstone that they're coming into this saying we made this game that people love we think we can make it even better is a horrifying prospect (laughs) for somebody who already liked the first game But more specifically, the idea that the monetization was coming in from a place that didn't involve you buying booster packs, trying to unlock cards, but was instead focused on just making your cards look even cooler was really, really something special to me. Um, This idea that I wasn't going to be destroyed in ranked play just because I didn't spend enough money or I didn't dump too much of my time against my own will, I want to be clear into playing the game. Uh, I'm playing a lot of this game totally of my own accord. I'm not doing it because I'm feeling pressured by the game to continue playing or else I'll fall behind the other players in the space, which I think is a huge distinction between where this game really could have gone off the rails. Um, But the idea that I am slowly but surely collecting cool cards uh, every once in a while when you do get one, at least where I'm at in, in terms of the, it's called a collection level as you continue to to build your deck and build the amount of cards you have, it takes a longer amount of time to get your next card exponentially between each one, which I know is going to rub some people the wrong way when they get there. For me personally, I think it's a really smart intentional design choice to make me really cherish a new card when I get it 
and ask myself because decks are so small it's only 12 cards ask myself when i get a new card with a weird power that i wouldn't really understand or or what doesn't really fit into any of the decks i'm currently using i can say well i'm gonna be stuck with this one for a little bit until i get my next one might as well build a deck around it and see what's up and see if it's cool and then slowly but surely fall in love i think when getting super in the weeds one of the cards i really love is the infinite uh yeah that that i got and absolutely thought was going to be a thing that i never ever used infinite is a six mana card so you can only play him on the last turn yeah uh and he has 20 power and you can only play him if you didn't play a card last turn and that is nonsensical (laughs) that doesn't make any sense strategically and i was immediately like absolutely not not going to happen i love the infinite the infinite <laughs> is in every deck i have i have built entire decks around making sure that the infinite totally works and is perfect strategically that kind of flexibility and creativity that you can have with these uh these cards i think is really really special they're they're onto something pretty pretty brilliant here i think i agree i mean i i i i, I can't i've been playing this game so much i've i've played through the entire recruitment season and uh the first yeah. season i just finished literally today i did the last uh last quests oh nice um, yeah i the last my last two quests were move cards and destroy cards which again encouraged me to make new decks where i was like oh i got moving and destroying abilities that i need to use so cool um and i'm i'm like mid silver right now and I mm. just, I was kind of cruising through, I think you start and I think they're giving you some bots to start to make you feel good. Uh, and, and I, I know I was cruising. I had easily like a 90% plus win rate up, mm. you know, through iron and bronze. And now in silver, it's like, okay, now I'm getting to some really interesting decks and seeing what people are putting together. It's, it, it really does encourage flexibility and building different kinds of decks. And it's it's so fun and so fast and you get into a game so quickly and you're out of the game so quickly and you're getting that feedback. It's just an incredible loop. It is dangerous how addictive yeah. this game is to me personally and I suspect a lot of people. Um, but you talk about, I mean, I think you, you put it so well that it's fascinating that, you know, Hearthstone was sort of, you know, Magic had done it before obviously as a digital version but hearthstone really was the first like big hit digital card game and what they did was they went oh hey this thing works as a trading card game as a physical thing where you go in your store and you buy magic cards you buy a pack and you open it up and you see what's inside and you go oh my gosh how cool that had been a long established thing mm-hmm. baseball cards had done it magic had done it for decades Hearthstone went, let's, that, that works. Let's build a digital card game with the same basic functionality. Buy a, buy a pack. It's got cards in it. You can, if you have repeats or, or duplicates of, of cards, you can break those down and use the essence to make the card you want. We'll kind of use that fun digitalness to, to give you an... But Marvel Snap goes, wait a second. We're entirely digital. We don't have to use that model at all. We can just completely reinvent that. And go, the idea of buying a pack of digital cards doesn't really make any sense. Uh, and I think that's really And at smart. worst is predatory in, in troubling right. ways, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to say that Marvel Snap isn't potentially problematic in the sense that you are still, there are still ways to monetize your progression toward getting a new card faster, right? You can yeah. still buy your way faster because what they're saying mm-hmm. is, 
upgrade the cards you have, make them look cooler, shinier, 3D, all that stuff, breaking the barrier of the edge of the card, make them look Mm -hmm. cool. And in the progress of making them look cool, you're going to get new cards that'll add to your variants and all that stuff. Yeah. And you do pay, you know, what is the equivalent of real money? You can earn credits in the game, the currency in the game, but you do have to pay credits in order to do that. And so there is the potential of wanting to do that so much to get to the next card that you still need to pay real human money. So it's not, you know, it's not completely a different ball game, but I think yeah. it wraps it in a, in such a different paradigm that I don't feel that constant push to buy a pack of cards. And as you said, I'm not actually feeling like I'm losing because somebody has a better deck than me or, or, or a couple of cards that I just don't have yet. I, I always feel like the urge when I lose a match, the urge is to rethink my deck or maybe I made a couple of plays that weren't smart. I don't ever feel like, oh, I need to buy more. I need to acquire more to be competitive. Mm-hmm. I, I think Marvel Snap is a game that learned a lot in its beta, it seems. Um, it, there were the, I looked it up during our little breaky here, Next, the Nexus events, uh, I want to make sure I got the name right, that yeah. were criticized for their monetization. Um, and I think rightfully so, not necessarily rightfully criticizing those events, but I think players are right to be keenly aware of what free-to-play games do in order to monetize because no game is just free. We hope you love it, Uh, especially a game of this (laughs) scale and and, and type. And those Nexus events were widely criticized for being those, those money dumps, you know, how much can you spend versus how well do you set up your deck and play? And those were eliminated during the beta. I talked about this when I talked about, um, Rocket League on mobile, a game I loved and and only and still enjoy and only kept out of, I think, maybe my favorite of the year discussion or whatever it was, because they still hadn't really turned on the monetization switch. Are you talking about and, Sideswipe? Yeah, Sideswipe. Yeah. Oh, that game ruled. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's really well done. And in in the mobile space, it is always the thing that makes me nervous mm-hmm. <laughs> of like right now. And I have not played as much of, uh, as 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 much of marvel snap as either of you but right now it feels easy to recommend but i will always caveat it with an asterisk of they haven't flipped the switch yet like yes there's some monetization in the game and yes it does some annoying mobile things of like tap this now tap this now when you tap this you tap this and you get that if you tap that you dip that now you did that now check your dailies to tap that and like you you don't know what just happened but you've been tutorialized um my my fear and, and recommendation for anybody who goes into this game hard it's gonna make money <laughs> it's gonna make money and they're gonna find ways to make more money and that is all maybe it is you know jeff resident cynic but that's always my concern with especially free-to-play mobile titles is when do they pull those levers and find ways and i'm 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 very happy with the team for realizing or the players for calling out that Nexus was problematic and them scratching that and doing something else. But they're looking at another way to flip some switches and hopefully it's good. I, I Fortnite is monetized to the wazoo and it launches you on the store page half the time with like eight pop-ups <laughs> you have to click through before you can play a game. Yeah, But I, I think 
the way I play that game, its monetization is handled well. So I'm not saying that Marvel Snap won't monetize it well, but right now in this first week of wide release, that has to be for me the asterisk that hangs over every conversation of what this game is. Right now it does seem battle passy and just buy some cards. I think there were some cards you could just buy outright that are like, these are cool characters. And I'm like, you're right. Time to quit this game. <laughs> yeah. Before I yeah, buy it. If you buy but- into the battle pass, you get whatever card is featured. Um, they have mm. also said that when the season is done and that battle pass is gone, whatever cards are in the battle pass will get added to one of the, the later mm. pools, which is nice. So there are ways to get them down the line but i know what you mean i mean look i'll be the first to admit when i heard like you know marvel free-to-play mobile game that is a a collectible card game i was like i had some alarm bells a little bit um but then as soon as i got my hands on it i was i was pretty stoked about it and i'm feeling pretty good about it and the nexus events thing i was also a little bit a little bit troubled by because just i guess to explain what they were it was literally like an endless loot box where there were two Mm. cards in it that were absolutely incredible and you could just dump as much money as you wanted into it until you got them, which was, uh, it would take a long time. Um, What they did to revert that was they refunded everybody and gave everybody the cards that were in there, which I think was nice. And they've since, at least based on, and this is just me reading communications from the team to the public, but they've said that they're not going to go back to Nexus events. They're not going to try and retool them and figure out a new way of implementing them. They're just going to get rid of that idea entirely. And they've said they want to double down on the idea of cosmetics being the only way they want to monetize the game, which I'm I mean, I'm all they have for. to do is, is introduce the 90s, the full 90s set. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be money deep. Dude. Like I'll, I'll get my real cards out and compare yeah. them to my Marvel Encyclopedia cards. And then my wife will got, divorce me. I've already got the uh, Cyclops <laughs> yeah, variant the Cyclops that is one. literally yeah. from X-Men number one, Jim Lee cover. Yeah. I'm like, I, yeah. I got that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, all of those points are well said, need to be said, and I think are important. And I'm trying to be really hyper aware. I have paid, I'll be honest, I have paid $4 so far. I bought that introductory $4 thing. And uh, I feel like, hey, you know what? Four bucks for the amount of fun I've had so far, pretty darn good. And I'm going to, you know, stay vigilant and try to check myself uh, when, when the tug and pull to spend more money comes. Uh, because I, I will say I'm having a ton of fun with it. I'm just I'm having so much fun. Yeah. One of the things we haven't talked about that the game implements, I think, extremely well is this notion of the snap, the titular snapping that mm. you can do, which basically is a sort of push your luck wagering uh, aspect. It doesn't have anything to do with money, but it's wagering your progression on the rank system. So you start and you're you're you know basically the match is over one rank point the cosmic cube the cosmic cube indeed <laughs> uh, and when you get to the end of the match the last uh the last turn it doubles up to 2 so you'll go up to or down to based based on whether you win or lose the match if you retreat before turn 6 you only lose one and the other person only gains one but you have an option at any point to tap the snap, tap the cosmic cube at the top to snap, doubling your wager. And each player can do that. So you can get up to eight points that you're wagering. And I'm telling you, Christian, (laughs) there is nothing more satisfying in the world than when your opponent snaps you thinking (laughs) they got you right where they want you. 
you snap back and then you destroy them. It is yeah. sublime that feeling. Sublime. And exceptional. Yeah. And and it just that little bit of that little bit of push your luck, that little bit of wagering that happens. It just adds a, a, a such a smart dynamic and the way that they make retreating not, like a feature. It's not a it, it doesn't feel like, um, you know, a lot of people in Hearthstone would like DC or turn their thing off before they. Yeah. Just to, it, but this becomes like, oh, no, that's part of the game. It's part of the game to retreat. That's totally acceptable. It doesn't feel like bad sportsmanship. It's built into the game. It's part. And, and so it becomes like a poker thing where, hey, maybe I snap to bluff you to, to intimidate you to retreat early. Th- those dynamics are at play. Yeah. Occasionally, the season and 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 daily challenges will even be make your opponent retreat. Like they'll build that yeah. into the actual uh, into the actual progression itself, which I I think only reinforces that retreating isn't the player going home with their tail between their legs, but it's like literally a thing that you should do if you want to continue to climb the ranked ladder. Uh, which I I really really appreciate. I also yeah. think one of, one of my favorite things to do in this game, and I'll just shout this out because I, the first one that's happening publicly is happening today while we're recording. But every once in a while, when you open up the game, they'll have what's called a hot or a featured location, yeah. which is one of the three zones that will pop up. It'll be more likely to show up in most in most matches. Um, I think if it's hot, it's like an eighty percent chance of showing up, so it's like really likely that it'll be one of the three spots. Yeah, what you should do. Dear listeners, if you want to climb the ranks, is as soon as you find out what the featured location is, build an entire yeah. deck around that and just go hard on <laughs> snapping when you know that you've got the hand that you need. Right now, it's uh, Kamartage. Kamartage, yeah. So I'm like yeah. all these on reveal cards built into my deck, and it is <laughs> beautiful. Owning right now, it's so rad. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I love no, that, that's it. I, I just that is like absolutely the way to do it. Um, I the highest rank I've made it so far while playing the game was 60. They they reset wow. your rank every season. Um I got pretty close. I haven't I haven't hit infinite yet, but uh I'm amazing. I'm Dude, that's that's rad. I yeah, and and I also love how wacky they're willing to get with some of the stuff. Oh, I yeah. I got I mean the locate it's so cool because the cards can be wacky and, and super powerful and have weird interesting interactions between them, but also the locations can be super wacky because both players have to deal with them. Yeah. So I've had crazy locations, like, uh, you know, uh, a location that'll play your cards for you, a locations that'll stop the game after turn four. Uh, I did a, a game where, um, I can't remember what the name of the location was, but it blew up the other, it literally eliminated the other two locations. So there's only one location. Oh, worship. Yeah. Yeah. Worship. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I got one where like it added a random, card into my deck that happens quite frequently and one of the cards that i got was um 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 what's her name uh agatha um oh, agatha harkness harkness yeah she plays your cards for she you she plays yeah. your cards for you it goes yeah. oh she, she's in your deck at the beginning yeah and she plays your cards for you and so plays like, herself last yeah <laughs> It's, it's brilliant. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So I do think it, one of the things that's worth noting about Marvel Snap, and you probably appreciate this as like a longtime Marvel fan, is just the ways in which they're able to imbue these cards and these characters with the power set that they should have. Like one yeah. of the first cards you get is Quicksilver, yeah. who is, you know, everybody knows who Quicksilver is, and he shows up in your hand immediately and costs one mana, which of course he would, because he needs to be there right <laughs> at the top. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he just like zips out of your deck and into your hand and turn one, and you can play him turn one. That kind of stuff. The Agatha Harkness is great. Uh, yeah. The the 
the location you were talking about, the one that plays your cards for you, I'm obsessed with. That's Ego the Living Planet. Of course, yeah. Ego the Living Planet would be like, you don't need to play this game. I yeah. can do it for you. It's like yeah. incredible, incredible. It, 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 you're yeah. so right. All of it makes sense. You know, Mr. Fantastic reaches into the other locations and adds yeah. power on either side. Like everybody's the guardians all work together. If you have like a whole, if you have a whole deck of guardians of the galaxy, they all have similar power sets. Yeah. Really, really it's brilliant. So stuff. smart. Yeah. Anyway, it's, I, it's my last point on it is that I think it, it, and maybe you guys mentioned this, but just to hit it, it's a game that I feel exists best digitally. Yes. And that mm. isn't always the case. Some ccg games are very good digital versions but i'm like i would love this card and i <laughs> yeah. think that what snap does marvel snap does really well is is digital first clearly and mm-hmm. maybe they'll do a physical version of it somehow and my kids will buy them i will buy them for my kids um but it plays digitally so well and is so smart because of that location stuff because of the things where like autoplay even simple things like punishers attacks and things that just don't require you to do that mental math and to have it yeah. happen as a computer game. And also, I don't know if we mentioned, it's not just mobile. This sounds like an ad, my gosh. It's also on Steam. So if you don't, you know, it, it is very much a uh, productivity killer all the time. Yeah. yeah. I've not <laughs> oh, got man. it running on my Steam Deck yet, but when I do... <laughs> Play it vertically, you know? You can yeah. schmuck your Steam Deck. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the one thing I'll shout this out, uh, and and maybe this is this is sacrilege as an employee of Marvel. But the one thing I'm really hoping they do long term, if you play the Steam version, it's very much just the iPad version. It's still vertical and has these like big borders on the side. I'm really hoping we get some kind of Hearthstoneification of the playing field where you can still tap on cool interactable things. Mm, yeah, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to to a, a version of Marvel Snap that adapts to the device you're playing on a little bit better. Um, because I, I think this game is going to be really big for streamers, if I was to guess, too. Um, because it's, I mean, you just rip through matches and they're all so fun and weird. It's so true. It's so yeah. true. And, you know, here we are talking about some of Game of the Year candidates. And I, there's nothing I'm more excited to play <laughs> right now than Marvel Snap. Another match of Marvel Snap is like, I have to do that. It's, it's crazy how much it's gotten its hooks into me. Anyway. Lots to get to. Lots to get to. Let's talk Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Because, uh, Brendan, you've been playing that. I've been playing that. Uh, tell me what your experience uh, with Sparks of Hope has been. I have. Uh, it's an improvement over the original in every single way, is I think the 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 headline here, for me at least. Um, I love the original. I think it's one of those games that um, people don't really give a lot of credit to, because uh, I think it's easy to overlook because it's such a silly conceit. I mean, as soon as you see like Mario with guns, you're like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've really jumped the shark here. <laughs> but uh, that game rules and is so good. And it's also on sale all the time. So if you haven't played it, you should pick it up and check it out. Yeah. But it's the one marvel game made sorry it's marvel it's the one nintendo game made by ubisoft yeah. nintendo games don't go on sale right ubisoft games go on sale they sure and mario do. and rabbits is a dang good mario game not made by nintendo yeah um i, th- I think the big the big uh success in sparks of hope for me that i didn't even know i was just excited for more of the same if i'm being honest i wasn't really tracking the progress of the release i wasn't really watching a lot of trailers for this i just knew that i liked the first one and was willing to give the second one a shot based on the 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 good credit the goodwill i'd had um 
I had no idea that this game was going to allow me to run around an overworld and explore and meet all these wacky characters and do uh, some like light puzzle solving that feels akin to like an old Tomb Raider game, etc., cetera, <laughs> etc. Cetera. That never even occurred to me. I was just excited about the like, oh, it's Mario. He's got guns. It's XCOM, and also the rabbits are here, and that's going to be silly and weird. Uh, I had no idea how ambitious they were getting with this game. It really, it really is stellar. Um, I, I, I've, I've been enjoying it a lot. I'm still pretty early on in it, but um, it's pulling me away from Marvel Snap. So, that's yeah, good. I mean, it, it is really, really good. And I've, I've finished the first world, uh, so I'm still pretty early in it yeah, as same. well. But, um, it. I, I love the puzzle stuff. I love the overworld stuff. I love how open you get quests now and you're kind of going all over the place and you can kind of do them in any order. And they've added this currency that is awarded for doing quests that you can spend mm-hmm. in certain interesting ways. But the thing I, I, I totally underscore what you're saying. It, it's surprising. Like when I thought, Hey, they're making a s- sequel to Mario plus Rabbids kingdom uh, battle, which is a game I loved. I was like, yeah, new story content new levels new enemies new abilities but give me that game again that's all you need that's not what they did they completely completely changed the way the game even plays on a fundamental level yeah in fact i I think you know the first game really did feel like mario is in XCOM with some cool mario flourishes like that you could bounce on people's heads and go farther and stuff like that but this game feels farther away from XCOM than than it's ever been it, it it feels like they really pushed the boundary of what is still a tactical combat game but like as far away there's no no grids anymore you know even in mario plus rabbits you're not seeing a grid but there are squares you know like you go to that square you can move to that square you can reach that square now you can run around on your turn Run around as much as you want. There's no movement. It's like one of the most fundamental aspects of a tactical combat game like XCOM is movement. You have a certain number of squares you can move. That's where you can go. If you mess up and you moved there, that's it, buddy. Sorry. With this one, I'm like, I'm moving people around. I'm switching to a different character, moving them closer. And then I'm, I'm getting around to this guy. I'm jumping on his head. I'm flying over here. I'm moving around. You only stop moving when you decide to shoot. And then you can't move after that. But before that, you can do as much movement as you want. And it's such an interesting flavor of tactical combat. It's a way, an interesting take on it because it gives you so much more experimentation. And I'm, I'm really planning out my, my turn in such an interesting way. Um, and and I, it really kind of opens it all up. It doesn't feel like a grid. It doesn't feel like um, this sort of staccato sort of tabletop you know, move your chess piece thing. It feels much more fluid than that. You're dashing and bonking people and picking them up and throwing them. It's, it's really, really reinvented even itself so much more than I expected. Are these your impressions or your son's? Cause last I heard, um, he loves Mario and you don't get to play on your switch. So I think you're just oh. plagiarizing all of these impressions. <laughs> I don't know if you know this about children, <laughs> Christian, but they have to sleep sometime. <laughs> he uh he did play he did play sparks of hope i'm like you you have your own profile son you don't play on my profile play on my profile um but uh yeah he did he did play he likes i was like jack what is your review of uh of this game and he goes uh i really like it daddy i really liked it i switched back over to to mario odyssey though (laughs) i was like okay oh wow 
I mean, he's he's six. Dunk. It it it's a, has a lot of complicated <laughs> uh, uh, interactions. I think that may be a little bit advanced for him. I will but, say, I don't know if I, I I don't think that this game tutorializes very well. Um, it had been so long since I played the first one that jumping into this one, I was expecting to just kind of have a handle on it immediately again, because I didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, I think it throws a lot of mechanics at you very quickly. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is a game made for children. And I think that if I was a child, I would be having a hard time with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, I don't think it's made for children. Or at least not my, you know, I, he was playing it. He, he won his first battle and stuff, but I don't think it. Uh, you know, it's definitely a tactical combat game, right? It's, yeah. It requires that kind of thought of, and and if you're playing on the normal vic- difficulty, which I am, uh, you know, it it doesn't pull any punches. It, there's some there's some fights where I was like, I got by on the skin of my teeth, you know. Yeah, that first um, boss, the the big uh, the big orange cat guy, yeah, who moves yeah. after every turn. I, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm getting smacked, walloped for like 400 hit points every every hit. Yeah, he rocked my world, that guy. Yeah, but then I realized you could trigger your, you know, your hero sight thing before you shoot so that he Absolutely. moves. Yeah, anyway. yeah we, I'm sure you figured that out, too. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, catch up well, yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll swap, we'll swap uh, over games of Marvel Snap. Um, so that's the Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Uh, I think it is delightful, shocking how much, uh, how much they've innovated on that, iterated, innovated on that uh, that concept uh and it's 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 great what else have you been playing brendan honestly what what are the bigger games i've been playing this year that really took me by surprise i i, I checked it out um just because i had seen a youtube video that looked interesting is dome keeper uh it's it's a game by a developer called bip and bits uh they made it in the godot engine which is uh slowly but surely becoming the indie engine of choice which is pretty excited that's the and, engine uh, that i'm always waiting for absolutely absolutely <laughs> uh and published by raw fury but it is a roguelike uh that is blending a bunch of different ideas together i'm a big roguelike fan generally speaking i love i love the genre so much i will usually check it out if you just tell me that there's a roguelike out and people like it generally i'm in uh dome keeper is a game in which a little uh a, a little uh, computer spaceship thing just crash lands on the planet crushing an alien that lives there and suddenly you're floating around a little astronaut in a jetpack uh inside this dome and you just have to start digging beneath the dome slowly but surely trying to find resources very minecraft in that way but it's a 2D game but you're you're mining out essentially strip mining this area looking for resources that you can use to upgrade your dome seems very cool seems very uh very chill and like just a, a nice cool time <laughs> no it's unfortunately not because there is a hidden timer constantly cl- uh, ticking down in the background uh, that is just counting down to when a bunch of horrifying monsters are going to come try and smash against the glass of your dome and break in and eat you alive. Uh, so you're constantly having this back and forth between, okay, how much time can I spend down beneath the earth trying to mine for resources? And how much time do I need to spend in the dome waiting for monsters to show up so I can use my very slow laser that moves on the outside of the (laughs) dome, very missile command to angle myself in such a way where I can maybe shoot this alien and kill it. Uh, It is a fascinating game just in terms of its, uh, it's, focus on risk reward as an idea because usually the thing that will kill you is your own greed is saying like <laughs> ah, i could i could 
you know, your jetpack, you know, is only powerful enough to pick up, you know, four four little objects that you mine out of the ground. But maybe I could take a fifth and just go very slowly. No, you can't. I'm so sorry. You can't do that because the monsters are already there and you didn't know it because the timer was happening in the background. But dear listener, you can take those resources and invest them in new UI elements for the game itself. You can see how much health the dome has. You can now see that timer and know when the monsters are coming. Uh, it's a brilliant game. Uh, I'm playing it on my Steam Deck and really, really, really loving it. Uh, it's called Dome Keeper. It's, it's so, so good. Awesome. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? You, you mentioned Missile Command. Yes. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the old game moon patrol have a little car that had a had a shooter like that that kind of rotated 180 degrees like that am i oh, thinking I of something else i don't know moon patrol whoa this I'm looks oh, that was one of my favorites moon <laughs> patrol you're in this little dune buggy you had to jump yes. over a hole and it had a little gun that could rotate 180 degrees like that and stuff would come from above and you had to jump over uh, holes on the moon lest this, your, you can, moon, your moon incredible. buggy hit them you can buy it for eight dollars uh, on Nintendo Switch. It's right on now. the Switch. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Moon Patrol. Oh, I loved that game when I was a kid. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, don't don't keep a rules. Uh, Moon Patrol also sounds like it rules. You should check both out. <laughs> yeah, don't keep her. So good. Uh, it sounds like maybe Moon Patrol is only vertical shooting. Maybe is it only vertical? Man, I, there's looking, definitely uh, a game like that back in the day. <laughs> the old you know arcade 80s arcade that had a thing like that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I'll I'm also very, shout out. Two things very quickly, yes. if that's cool. Number Please. one, the, one game that I, do, I don't need to go super into, everybody knows that it exists, is Persona 5 Royal, which just dropped on a bunch of things, uh, specifically on Game Pass. It's on it's on Xbox now. Um, that game is like one of the best JRPGs of all time, and having that on multiple platforms is great. It's on PC, which is cool, so you can get it on, on your PC or on your Steam Deck. I'm playing it on the Switch. I'm playing it on the OLED Switch. Mm-hmm. This is like the showcase showstopper game for the OLED switch. Cause that I think one of the key things about the persona games was specifically five Royal, even before it came out, the thing that was going around on the internet was like the UI of that game is just a piece of art unto itself. The ways in which you navigate menus, just absolutely beautiful. So stylish, so interesting, but specifically has this harsh contrast between a really deep red and a really like pitch black black, which looks so good on the OLED switch. Uh, I'm all about it. And I'm, I'm having a great time finally digging into mm. that game the way I've always wanted to. And I've always heard from uh, many people in my life. You're making Those me games are, OLED are great. <laughs> Those games are great portable. I mean, I was all about Vita in persona and <sighs> me switch too. In persona or steam deck in persona is also great. Um, and it is not a short game. So uh, don't think because I'm saying it's a great mobile experience. That means, oh, you'll be done with it in no time. No, no, it's great because you can instantly put it to sleep and instantly pick it up and start playing yeah. it again because there's a lot, a lot of game there. Yeah, hey, it's speaking, my exercise bike game now, which is wonderful. Speaking so of uh, the Steam Deck, hmm. uh, you evidently have been uh, using the official Steam Deck dock, which is not easy to say, but... <laughs> Uh, I've, I've been curious about this. Uh, th- you yeah. know, this has b- recently become purchasable on, on steam again. Isn't this just a PC? Do you, is, do you need the dock? Is the dock useful? I, I yeah. don't, I don't understand the use case for the dock. Necessarily. Here's why I wanted to bring it up specifically. Look, I, I'm a person who has, uh, hemmed and hawed about buying a PC for myself for years and years. I'm, I'm pretty much a Mac first guy. Usually, uh, I don't have a PC. I don't have a gaming PC. I haven't since like 20. 
12, 2013. Wow. The Steam Deck to me has always been an entry point into PC gaming because every single year, there's literally always the one game that everyone says is their game of the year that I can't play. Uh, <laughs> it was it was Return of the Oprah Din. It was Inscription. Like every year, right. there's just the one. And I just don't have access to it until they eventually poured it. And I was like, no more. No longer will this happen. Um, so... Eventually, I got to the point where I got the Steam Deck. Absolutely love it, like you guys do. I, th- I think it's a, a remarkable machine um, and great for so many things. But I always had this this idea in my head of I could just plug it into a USB C dongle and use it as a computer every once in a while if I want to. If I'm doing content capture for videos and stuff, it's really great for that. Um, but the official Steam Deck dock, I know there are other ones or third party ones. I picked up this one because it's going to get like firmware updates and stuff from Valve, which is which is fun. But very quickly realize that this is like if you if you're into emulation on the steam deck this mm. is now suddenly a playstation 2 and a gamecube and an xbox and a vita and an everything machine essentially mm. and also on top of that is a computer but the idea that i can just like sit here plug in a controller plug in the dual sense or the switch pro controller and like boot up a ps2 game for the first time in forever and just have it work like on my computer through hdmi i know it doesn't sound that wild to people who already have computers and already have pcs with like great graphics cards but for me somebody who hasn't had that for about 10 years uh man i feel like i i'm fully reinvigorated in this world in a way that i i haven't been in a long time and it's given me access to so many games so many interesting ideas that i haven't been able to explore before like a game like dome keeper i would just hear about and then not be able to play for you know eight to twelve months until it eventually made its way to switch or something um i'm so glad to have this this world open to me now and the dock has just kind of become a magical experience for that uh for me and and it might not sound so special to some people but uh, i'm loving it I, I really i'm i'm so stoked about it well yeah yeah you've schooled me on on a use case you've you defined the perfect use case that's uh that's amazing there you yeah. go it's good it's good all right well uh christian it's time to get into your playlist uh you know this i'm telling you this episode is a poster child for <laughs> And I don't even know how we're going to get through all of this. Where, where should we start? Where should we start? Well, I can start with a, a couple, uh, one very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So let's knock that out. And speaking of Steam Deck, it transitions very well. And I was given a code and have been playing Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection has now come to PC. And I will just say that it, I, I love Naughty Dog. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Did a, an official podcast with them for The Last of Us. I have many friends over at that studio. I, I am enamored by their games constantly. Legacy of Thieves is Lost Legacy and Uncharted 4. It is the first Uncharted available for PC, which is a little weird that you don't get one through three. That said, Uncharted 4 and specifically Lost Legacy is probably my favorite Uncharted game of all time. Um, so I don't need to get into the details of these games. I've talked about both games numerous times on this show and also this collection already on PS5. I will say that if you have never played these games before and you have a PC, it is stunning on PC. Both of them are absolutely jaw-droppingly stunning on PC. The last thing I will say is if you have played these games before and you have a Steam Deck... They are incredible to play on a Steam Deck. Replaying them on a Steam Deck 
I'm going to, I've already played them so many times, but this is the way I will keep replaying them. Because again, that pick up, put down ability of it, and especially Lost Legacy with some of the hub and spoke areas of it, to just get in, pick up, toy around for a little bit, really go after some of those fun sandboxy kill moments and exploration that having a dedicated device that I'm not tying up another screen with by leaving it on or running on a steam deck is exquisite. I'm playing it exclusively in uh, the VRR 40 frames and 40 Hertz mode on steam deck. Does it lock a perfect 40? No. Is it really close? Yes. And is it stunning on a steam deck? It absolutely blows me away. If you've never played these games before, play them on the biggest 4K-est, beautifulest screen you have. But if you want to experience them again, it, it just blows my mind that this is what I'm playing in a handheld as I'm sitting outside my daughter's you know, music class. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there <laughs> playing Uncharted on a handheld. And what these what Sony's PC ports have been, you know, these past couple of years blow me away. And Uncharted, yeah. the Legacy of Thieves collection is another excellent excellent pc port now please give us uncharted one two and three also (laughs) if you have not played uh, an uncharted game using the soundtrack of little little timmy playing a clarinet (laughs) you haven't lived to be fair i do i do insist that my daughter's teacher have her play the uncharted four score like she's not good at it yet it's kind of like the jurassic park on trombone you know but like (laughs) uh on the recorder it's all on the recorder they're just uh um i uh, i also got a code i've also been playing this and i will one-up your it's great on steam deck with it supports super ultra wide Oh, and it's glorious. <laughs> it's glorious it's the, and super ultra wide. My goodness. My goodness. And it supports you're, your you're, dual sense. If you have a, a dual sense in PC, it's, it's uh, the real deal. It, it, it like envelops you in the world of uncharted. It's uh, wow. it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's uncharted legacy of thieves collection on PC. Now, I don't know how long we continue with bearing the lead here. Do we wait to the, to the end to talk about God of War? Ragnarok? Yes. Yes, because I, I, I want to talk about another game that's out for... Yeah, I think we do. I think we do. The two games that we've been playing will be the last part that we played okay. you know, yeah. together. I want to talk about Plague Tale Requiem. Because mm. Plague Tale Innocence is a game that didn't get uh, you know enough coverage on this show when it came out. It I came agree. out at a time when something else was happening, probably me playing a Naughty Dog game. <laughs> again. <laughs> um, but something else was happening. It didn't get a lot of attention from us. I kept meaning to play it, meaning to play it, meaning to play it. And I didn't until very recently, I, at least it feels recent in my head, when it got the series, the Xbox series update. And I played it, talked about it on the show, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and now Plague Tale Requiem is the sequel to that franchise. It's on Game Pass. It is a current gen only game. Um, and it's very much a continuation of a Plague Tale Innocence. If folks haven't played Innocence and are interested in Re- Requiem, I recommend watching. There's a really good, I think I might have sent you, Jeff, maybe I just told you to pull it up. You told me to find <laughs> it myself. <laughs> I was like on my phone, probably playing Marvel <laughs> Snap. Like, you do it, Siri, tell Jeff to do it himself. Um, but there's really good short synopsis videos of a Plague Tale Innocence. And I, I think that they're likely necessary to get the most out of requiem requiem is not an mcu movie where it's like if you've played the other ones you get little teasers but you can watch it by itself 
it starts where the other one ended and it leans heavily into that lore. And I have not rolled credits on Requiem yet, but I am close, maybe not close, but I'm a good, good distance into it. Um, and it never gives you a previously on a plague tale, you know, like kind of moment. They talk <laughs> around it as these characters talk, but plague tale Requiem is a third person stealth action game. And, and similar to a tomb Raider or, naughty dog style game where it is uh you and a, often a companion and constant well-crafted well-acted well-performed dialogue and discussion happening as you are in a really horrible situation um the sister and her brother trying to fight for their lives um against uh overwhelming odds be they soldiers and rats and the environmental stuff that's happening and in Requiem, without maybe there's a drop at the end, but without spoiling anything, it is an excellent version of a coming of age slash realizing what you have to become story. And I think other games have done this and done it well also. Um, I think The Last of Us, both parts one and part two, have handled this very well. And I think the first current Tomb Raider trilogy um, also kind of, leaned on this and i loved that game but i think where it missed was a little bit on lara's journey of becoming this killer it had a really nice moment at the beginning and then five minutes later she was like well i'm a killer now (laughs) guns up and and plague tale requiem i think really plays in that space of becoming this thing that you have to be or you think you have to be and what that does to you emotionally it is not a light game it is not, I'll play this for five minutes before I go to bed game, but it is stunning. It is beautiful. And it leans into stealth in a way that it, it's approachable stealth. Like it's, I, I dare to use the term walking sim because that has negative connotations, but a lot of the game is just experiencing it. And yes, I've been discovered and yes, I've failed. And yes, there's combat more in Re- Requiem than in Innocence. Um, but that is isn't while you're why you're at the table you're at the table to have this atmospheric beautiful story that you are a participant in which i feel is so much more moving than just what like i you know there's so much great fantasy and so much great tv on right now but that's just watching someone else do something and in plague tale requiem you engaging in these activities that are difficult and difficult for the character and then by proxy you to make her do is really stunning. And it is another game, you know, from a, a air quote, smaller team, really knocking it out of the park uh, across all factors, visuals, sound performance. And I think because of this time of year, um, folks might also miss it. And if you were like me or this show last time around, I would recommend playing a Plague Tale Innocence, the updated version as well or watching a recap and diving into a Plague Tale Requiem. It is stunning and so well-made and, and a really powerful story of, of love and loss and um, and hardship in a way that I think only video games can tell it by having you be an active participant mm. in it. It's it's really well done. Yeah, I, I checked this out as well uh, because it's on Game Pass, and I downloaded it on PC and it too supports ultra wide super ultra wide in in an amazing amazing fashion 
Um, I don't know if I'd want that with all the rats. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, I have not played as much as you. It, it, man, it's such it's so unfortunate this game is coming out right now because there's a thousand things that are pulling me away from it. Um, but if it had come out like two months ago or even a month ago, I would uh, I, I'd be hooked on this game. And I, and I totally see why you like it so much. It feels like the same experience that is delivered in The Last of Us franchise, right? It is... It's the, the same strip kind down of combat, experience. strip down exploration, but that same it's feeling, that tier of, of storytelling. That steer, tier of storytelling, that feeling of being constantly uh, overwhelmed by the odds, uh, uh, vulnerable. Um, you know, this is a game where you get discovered, you're dead, you start over, uh, and and that that is not a gameplay style I love. Uh, I don't like that. Um, you know. But it, but it feels authentic to the experience of these young people in this situation. And the it game also uses the systems well. Speaking of another game we'll talk about, you discovered you're dead, but you're back playing again right. very quickly. It's Indeed. not a lengthy load. Right. And, and I, um, I, I, there's a lot to like about it. As you said, the, the, the performances that they get are, are really, really excellent. And it is very, very pretty game. Um, it, it is a dark, dark experience, um, a little yes. heavy for me, you know, in the same way that last of us is, but, um, again, if, if this had come out, you know, without all these other distractions, I think I'd be playing a lot more of it and it deserves people's attention and it's on game pass. So if you have game pass, you, you check it out. Oh, oh, the other thing I want to say is I, I am exactly that thing that you're describing, which is I haven't played a second of the first game of innocence. I did not follow your advice and watch a recap. <laughs> I just jumped right in. Because who has the time for recaps? Uh, I just jumped right in. I did not feel like I was missing anything. Oh, Undoubtedly, good. I was missing things, right? Context and, you know, story beats. But I was able to enjoy the plight of these people right away. It felt like I was being... Able to enjoy the plight of these people. I mean, they're, it's a plight. <laughs> they're, in a, they're in a situation, man. Uh, you know, I was able to understand where I was when I was... What was the stakes were certainly got a high fidelity played out here. <laughs> really looking forward to it. I, this yeah. is definitely going to be like a January, February game for me. Like when we're, when we're yeah. past goatee season, just knowing that they're going to yeah. be on game pass. I I've wanted to check these out for a long time. Uh, I, I would not be one. surprised if this is on some outlets, you know, top 10 faves, you know, we only do a f top five and I don't think it'll make my five, but I think it's very much this year. worthy of that. <laughs> It's that caliber of game. I, I don't know how yeah. we're going to do five this year. I don't even know. How. We got five, a, I got five game of the year candidates in this episode. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, um, do we okay, want to yeah, move we, let's, on? Let's start, let's start with the bad and get to the good. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, so interested to hear about this one. Now, he, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I, I am a uh, professed, avowed Marvel zombie from way back. I've been a Marvel fan my whole life. Uh, we have literally an employee of Marvel on the show. Hello. I don't want this to be a, a, I just, we just went on for many minutes about how much I love the new Marvel game. I don't want this to be a Marvel versus DC thing. Christian is a DC guy. DC guy, tried and true. He is the yin to my yang. I'm the Marvel guy. He's the DC guy. Loves DC, loves the Bat universe. Batgirl, your favorite character of all time. I have Comic multiple book High quality framed and and you know limited prints of Batgirl. I have Wonder Woman in my office. I have a neon Batman, multiple Batman mask of the Phantasm. I I, I love the Bat people. 
Uh, I love DC Comics. Gotham Knights is bad. Oh, <laughs> it, 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 it gives us no joy to, to to say that Gotham Knights is bad. We, Christian and I both got codes for for Gotham Knights. We jumped into Gotham Knights, very excited to play it. We coordinated a time to play co-op to experience a co-op the joy of playing an arkham style game together that alone that alone is an amazing thing to be able to do like we can play an arkham game together now and to be frank that's the best part of the game because really playing a game together any game together is 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 pretty good like any any video game where you get to hang out with your friend and do do stuff is pretty Jeff good. Jeff just called me a friend. Jeff just called me a no, friend. No, I'm saying the mythical audience member who's doing this. Someone clip this. Clip it. <laughs> clip it. Uh, but Christian, uh, I, I don't even, I don't know which one of us likes it less. I I'm, I would venture to say me. But Maybe. I mean, this is the rare game that I took notes on as I was playing because it's not, let me back up. It's not bad in the sense that it's broken. You know, like you can, you can right. play this game. You can get the story. And I think people, the, 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 there of are all some games. The video games, Gotham Knights <laughs> is one. Yeah, a playable one. A, a playable one. The, the, its faults are many. are many and they are paper cutty in the sense that it also, one, will always be compared to an Arkham game. Um, it's made by a studio who made an Arkham game. Since then, we've had multiple Spider-Man games that are Arkham games, you know, that have taken this lineage of what these superhero games are and can be and have been some of the best video games, third-person action games ever made. They've been favorites of mine every year they've come out. And what Gotham Knights did is admirable in trying to be something new, but it reinvented the wheel when the wheel is really good. It, if not it threw out the wheel. It went, it you know what we're going to do? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take all that stuff you like from those Batman games, including Batman, and get rid of it. <laughs> and, it, and, and, and then it's got it's got technical difficulties it's next gen only i talked about how requiem you know really showcases or current gen it feels weird to say it really showcases that uh, ability with faster load times gotham knights it has a lot of load times like going from not only just the open world into a building but into different areas of a building and they're not super long but they're not inconsequential it has frame rate problems in the open world where it, it says that it's targeting a locked 30. I got to instances where it felt 15, you know, it felt close to like noticeable chug as I'm traversing this largely empty open world. And then it's got its own problems of progression where I say traversing, but they lock the best way to traverse the open world behind not super long probably 15 20 minutes if you just go straight for it but an unlock and it's, it doesn't make conceptual sense where it's like oh batgirl now has her glide mechanic and then before that you're stuck using this bike that sucks to drive you know it's not rewarding and and, and then the my last point jeff and I'll, I'll step out of the way is the the grindy what they call an rpg mechanic feels like all the wrong parts of a live service game in terms of collectabilities where, you know, we were 
having laughing at the idea you beat up a thug and clues fly off of them and vials fly off of them. Yeah, little clue bits. Vials. Bits of clue. It's like you collected they, 48 clues. I did? Yeah, because they they fly off little, they're like little magnifying glass icons to just fly off the bad guy. Uh, clue bits. It really is like can, a looter shooter. That's very Destiny. Yeah, but, <laughs> but with a progression that doesn't feel good uh, and, and how it kind of unlocks things for you and and it and then the combat isn't as good as arkham's combat you don't have the parry you don't have you don't have a block you don't have a counter you don't have a parry and it's built around this i already forget what they call it um energy you're building up basically momentum your momentum thing to unlock a special move that against some characters still seems to whittle off hardly any of their health, but then you're just punching and doing a dodge because that's your only way to avoid. So you have a a lower than 30 frame rate, these long character moves that slide you away as you're doing this combat. And then just to get into this rhythm of trying to do your momentum move and then rinse repeat, it's just it's just not it's 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 very mediocre and compared to everything else on the market today especially at 70 dollars yeah i i I can't i can't in any way recommend it to anybody it sucks for me to say that i agree 100 percent. it's a it's a it's massive disappointment it's a game i was looking forward to um to me before you even get to all the stuff you said which none of it i disagree with it doesn't feel good the game does not feel on a the most basic level of moving my character through the world does not feel good. The basic run animation doesn't feel good. Jumping, climbing on things half the time. Half you the time can't you jump can't, half the time. That's true. Jump. That's true. But just moving through the world doesn't feel good. As you said, on your bat cycle, which you're constantly getting on for no good reason. <laughs> we were joking like the first mission. It's like all right. Find out where your mission is. It's 1,100 meters away, which is the other way on the other side of the thing. All right, call your bat cycle. Ride your bat cycle through that. Like, why am I doing this? It's not fun. It's not fun to ride the bat cycle. It doesn't feel fun. It's not, it, 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 none of it feels good to do. The combat doesn't feel good. And then we, you know, we got into co-op and we're like, okay, this is where it's going to shine because, hey, we're able to do this Arkham game finally as a, as buddies as we're doing it we're in the world together and yes there is the ability to do a you know i'll hold the bad guy you beat him up but when you initiate that the game doesn't alert the other player that you've initiated the team up move so half the time you're not even aware of unless you're talking on comms you're like hey i'm gonna do the thing now it i mean there was like a really cool moment where we had to interrogate some people and I was interrogating someone while Christian was beating up thugs behind me. He was like beating up the other thugs. I found the one thug we had to interrogate. I interrogated that thug. Christian was beating the other thugs up. I was like, that's, that's cool, right? That's cool. That's the, that's the promise of the premise, right? Exactly. Like, that's what you want. You want have your friend taking care of the bad guys while you're doing the thing. But man, those moments are few and far between. And most of the time, it really feels like I'm over here beating up all these guys. You're over there beating up all those guys. And it, we're in our own games that don't really have much interaction between them. And oh, along those lines, and I, I guess like a, a plus is that in co-op, we can be doing whatever we want. We can be on yeah. opposite ends of the city. There's no tether, but kind of related. 
I pin, I'm like, let's go here and I pin it and it's not on your map. It's not on my map. <laughs> we like, both have to get tell on the, you where to our, pin it. We have to get on our individual bat cycles and drive all the way across the map to get to the destination. Are you here? Yeah, I'm here. It's it's just not it's not a fun it's not a fun experience. And that is the it's biggest a bummer. Bummer. Yeah. Biggest bummer. That's Gotham Knights. Can I ask what's going on narratively here? So just I guess to back up, I'm a really big Batman fan also, just to be clear. I know I work for Marvel. I'm a really big Batman fan. Specifically, I'm a really big Nightwing fan. I love Nightwing as a character. Been a yeah. big fan for a long time. I love all these characters. Yes, the cast of yeah. characters getting the spotlight is awesome. Oh. That I'm was what you- was so enticing about this to me was this idea of like actually getting Batman out of the way and letting these characters who are so rich and have this incredible tapestry of of, of lore and Batman's charisma behind one. them. <laughs> I think that was exciting. I was really looking forward to it uh, as as a longtime fan. Um, and I, I was warned by some other people who got code to not check this game out. But I wouldn't I would be lying if I said I wasn't still interested in knowing what was going on narratively. I think uh, you, Christian, you'll, you'll be able to speak to this better than I. So I'll start. But I'll just say I think there is a interesting bat family story buried here. Mm. But it's buried under uh, gameplay I don't enjoy. And perhaps, and I, I feel bad saying this because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I think this might be the worst vocal performances of a AAA game in several years. I, 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 I think across the board, the vocal performances are so lifeless and so dull and they all feel like they were saying their line in isolation without having any context as to why it, it really hurt the experience for me, the story, the narrative experience. I, I have not rolled credits on this game and I won't straight up. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not danishing it. I'm stopping it because I don't like it. Um, uh, but I've seen a decent amount of the plot. And from what I've seen firsthand and then I, I i read more to confirm some thoughts um and they were confirmed i will speak vaguely for folks who are enjoying this you know or you're or, or getting enough out of it um as a large bat family fan i think it it's a disservice that this game is set in gotham I, when we were playing i mentioned this jeff i think that's like set it in bloodhaven and have it be nightwing needs help and here come the family to come help you know batman is we're working with the justice league and off planet, you know, like there's so much they could do that allows this separation, especially from comparing it to an Arkham game that it doesn't. And then as advertised, it's a court of owls game. And this is someone who thinks that there have been some bad court of owls stories. This might be the worst. Uh There are, and just in terms of it's an open world video, like there are court of owls, out on the street, like Court of Owls thugs, like yeah, out <laughs> on the street, <laughs> okay. thugging it up as like, you know, we're Joker's game. Well, we're Court of Owls. No, no, no. And I don't want to be that person. Yeah, it's, it's like, like that's not how they work. Yeah. That's, that's not how they work. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a pat. Take this money and buy DC Infinite Ultra or whatever they call it. So you get comics one month after release and that's a better 70 bucks. Mm. Uh, I seven seasons of Marvel Snap, <laughs> or what I 
what I Available did just... now on iOS, Android, and Steam. What I what I did to confirm my thoughts is I went back and and fired up Arkham Knight again because yeah. I remember when we were playing, it's like this doesn't the the cycle feels slower than the Batmobile, and I fired up Arkham Knight again. One Arkham Knight, dare I say, looks better <laughs> still as an eight seven year eight year old game, and it's just it 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 has all those things. It it feels better. It's it just feels better. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bummer. You look at you know even Plague Tale Requiem compared to Gotham Knights, it's like, wow, the game. One game is gorgeous, obviously doing very different things. It's hard to it's apples and oranges to a certain extent, but still. Anyway, all right, and not all combat needs to be Arkham combat to be incredible third person action combat. There are other ways to do it, and we can only talk about early. Uh, impressions of another way to do it yeah we need to be real careful here right because uh christian i both got early copies of god of war ragnarok which is a game we're both uh very highly anticipating it was the show's game of the year in 2018 the first god of war remake uh reimagining um so one we have been eagerly eagerly anticipating and we're only allowed to talk about early impressions uh, and, and I think there's a lot of very specific things we're not allowed to say, but I think it's safe to say if you liked God of War 2018, with both, which both Christian and I did very, very, very much. In fact, I, I've put it at the top of list all time. Like, I think God of War 2018 is the best game. <laughs> I think it's one of, the, one of, if not the best video game I've ever played. Um. And I will say, I don't think this will disappoint you if you feel that way, because it is certainly picking up right where uh, it let left off narratively and uh, gameplay wise and quality wise. Right. It, it is it is delivering that supremely high level of craftsmanship that the first game uh, offered and a level of uh, emotional maturity and um trying to do something with a very two-dimensional character to make it three-dimensional character in uh, Kratos. Uh, So all of that sort of emotional weight, that power, the the way the the delivery of the game plays into that, adds to that. Yes, the single-take, unbroken camera move is retained in this one, which I was very curious if they would try that again, and I'm so glad to say they have. Um, and it is immediately incredible. I mean, immediately, right, Christian? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was very telling coming off of Gotham Knights in the order in which I played these as well to see in God of War Ragnarok is a cross-gen game. I, we are both playing on, on PS5, so I don't know what it looks like on PS4. I have not hooked up, got out my PS4 and hooked up to see it. Um, but again, not compare you know different style of game full open world gotham knights uh, god of war ragnarok you know a different style of game but just immediately like this is how they move this is how they act this is how they sound this is another this is third person action combat that isn't an arkham style action combat that feels so visceral and and just the act of doing you know we talk about marvel snap how rewarding it is just to play those things God of War 2018 and and very much, you know, these early parts of Ragnarok that I've played, it's just the act of doing is so rewarding that I could just be like, 
okay, give me a million grunts. Give me 80 hours of grunts. And I'd be like, game of the 2020s. I think this is, <laughs> this is something that we, we always talk about and yet don't talk about enough. It, it, it's something that I keep coming back to like that. And I think you put it in such a, a perfect way, Christian, the act of doing that, that feeling, the feel of how the character, how the weight of the world impacts things, how you impact the world, that fundamental feeling of moving through the world, you know, and it doesn't always have to be like this visceral you know, heavy thing, God of War it is, but you talk about something like the Spider-Man game where just like swinging through Manhattan is so joyous. Just the act of swinging and, and, and casting the next web and flinging your body around is so joyous. And there are numerous games I could mention that are the best games that just give you that feeling of doing that is heightened, that is special, that just feels right and the games where they they don't quite capture that where they don't get that right like gotham knights unfortunately it is a huge detriment to overcome there's so many other things that have to go right for a game to feel good for, for the game to to be something i would like if that fundamental feeling isn't achieved mm-hmm. and then the other thing you know again just the these early stuff that uh we can talk about um, and again, I hate to just keep harkening back to one game that I, I don't particularly love because I don't, I like celebrating games. That's also what feeling this is about is celebrating games. Um, but God of War Ragnarok, these, this early part is paced so incredibly well that there's just this constant push pull of momentum and things to see and to do and to explore and to be, and it, it, it feels like how I imagine, you know, when you watch someone in a movie and they, they've drowned and then they give them CPR to bring them back to life. And it's that breath of fresh air coming back into their life. Like, <gasps> I'm alive. Like it, what Ragnarok is able to Gotham drowned you and God of War I, brought you back. To life. I purposefully didn't. Um, also, also this, also this. Um, they win? Yeah, they won um astros astros one hello you already know that because you're listening to this probably not live um but it's it's so exquisite every every detail of the details i'm allowed to talk about are so exquisite i'm not implying there are bad you know and i'm just uh, and it it just it's silly to say i am very much this type of gamer third person action games but it just it reaffirms yes this is what the medium is about and can be. And to your point about, I think Jeff, are you talking about the feels here a little bit um, to heap more, heap more praise on Marvel snap. It also does that very well. Yes. Hearthstone did that very well. Burnout paradise did that very well. Forza horizon did that very well. And God of war Ragnarok as it starts, lets you know that it's going to do that very well. And then it reinforces that idea over and over again. Uh, it's real pretty. It's real pretty. I can't wait I mean, to talk more about it. It's also, you know, it's a game where you can talk about the casting being awesome, you know, which is really cool. Like you don't talk about that with video games very often, uh, because it feels like when a, you know a new character strolls in, you recognize the actor playing it, uh, not just because of their voice, but because it looks like an actor with a costume on. It's just amazing that they, you know, we're we're on that level uh, with video games now. <laughs> um. And uh, yeah, I mean, we can't talk about much 
We will talk about more God of War Ragnarok over the next couple of weeks. Uh, you can rest assured on that. But um, you know, if if you're if you're anticipating this game, I think you uh, you can rest assured that it is going to deliver. That's so exciting. Yeah. I, I'm so glad to hear that. That that really. I I really knew it was gonna be great. I I, I feel it in the wind, you know. Um, but uh, at least on our show, we just replayed the first one and also did a thing where we read uh, Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology, which is a great pairing with that game. Um, but uh, I'm like really in the spirit for it, hot off the heels of a new game plus with with God of War. Oh, awesome. I'm, I'm so I saw a wonderful tweet from Neil Gaiman. Somebody said, "Hey, Neil, what is that?" <laughs> What's that book you wrote about Norse myth- mythology? And he, <laughs> and he wrote, it's called Norse mythology. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. That rules. I do, th- I do think um, you're so right. It, it reminds me of a, of a thing I've been thinking about a lot, which is like the, the God of War games, you know, even when you're just looking at PlayStation Studios games, I feel like there's this kind of auteur vibe of PlayStation Studios where it's always going to be this kind of, not always, but frequently is a third person over the shoulder narrative experience uh, that that is pulling a lot from cinema and, and, yeah. and the ideas of cinema um, in terms of its storytelling. And with that in mind, God of War, at least the first one or 2018, I should say, I guess, feels like a now that's what I call PlayStation Studios in the best <laughs> way possible. Like it really it nails all the hits. Take everything that you loved about The Last of Us and Uncharted and Spider-Man and all of these games. And God of War does it all kind of better. Uh, yeah. So the idea that I'm getting more of that is uh, just exhilarating. Yeah, it's it's real good. It's real good. If, I did if, not get a code for this Sony PR. <laughs> me up. Uh, if Marvel Snap didn't exist, I would <laughs> I would be a, a, a much farther along in that game than I am now. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, we've gone very long. I have a couple of other. Um, Indie games that also came out. I don't want to give short shrift to indie games, but I think we'll have to save those for uh, next show um, because it's it's really it's 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 really and (laughs) we're and honestly, I don't mean that flippantly. I really love using the show to highlight smaller games too. When there's this torrent of great AAA games, we're at the end of the year. It's you know pre holiday season. All of the big huge game releases are. Are hitting right now we talked about a number of them and they're worthy uh, worth talking about they're you know great 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 games mostly um but also a bunch of indie games are coming out you know there's a bunch of really great indie games and i don't want to not uh talk about them so i will make a point of talking about some of the games i've been playing uh next week uh indie games uh when the the slate is s- slightly <laughs> lessened um but uh but that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc we appreciate uh you guys sticking with us because this was a long one it's full of tons of stuff to talk about it's especially grateful for you brendan bigley for being here it's always so much ah. fun to chat with you and uh, we love having you on the show thanks for being here yeah thanks so much for having me back uh very cool to be here tell folks where they can uh, keep up with you and all the things that you do online yeah, totally. The easiest thing is probably brendanbigley.com, uh, where you can find a link to Twitter and stuff, but also got to gotta give a shout out to Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast, which you can find at intothecast.online. I'm also writing about video games at wavelengths.online, uh, soon to be a podcast as well. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Very, very cool. Also, I mentioned, I should have mentioned we have parting gifts coming out, so stick around for those. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you, what do you got going on? 
I hope to have October's uh, newsletter out, um, which people can subscribe to for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. And I've done, I've started several and deleted them as I felt like I kind of, they are conversational in tone, longer form writing about video games. And I kind of, they all kind of felt like I lost my wind at the end of them. Uh, and I didn't, I never want any of them to be that. So if there's not one a month, it's usually about one a month is because I didn't find something that like, you know, really pulled it out of me. I'm not forced to write 1200 words about video games <laughs> every month <laughs> as if there's something I, I feel passionate about, but I think I have it. And I think it'll probably be coming out this week. Also a new episode of feeling this will drop, uh, on the Patreon RSS for all patrons across all levels at, uh, patreon.com slash DLC pod. And um, I'm going. Can to you watching... tease what it's going to be about, Christian? Uh, you want you want to tease? Is that a yeah, sincere? Do do we people want to tease the audience? Do people want to tease? I have it. I will pull it up. It is going to be about uh, Outrun and Ridge Racer. Hell so yeah! About some driving games and kind of comparing and contrasting those feels. And and what makes a great a, a great driving game? So that'll be Friday's episode of Feeling This for all patrons here of uh, of DLC Go Astros. Yeah, Jeff, huge huge thank you to Alex Solman for for teaming with you and and allowing uh, that work to be on our patron feed. Uh, it's it's a huge uh, generous thing of of him to do, uh, and uh, we're I'm I'm super grateful. Uh, Christian really doesn't care, but I'm very very grateful. Uh, for that <laughs> well that is our Me show too. jeff Me let's right to parting gifts no one cares what you're doing this week jeffrey <laughs> well it's the same old stuff you know uh you can follow me on twitter at jeff canada which is spelled with two n's and one t uh the film cast we have concerns fan controlled show uh it's 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 my usual boat my usual boat of stuff we don't have to get into it people it's know a good it. boat though good, good boat. boat a good podcast I'll do it for you. Everyone listen to Jeff's uh, and the film cast Hollywood ends Hollywood Halloween ends episode, um, which is a episode of the film cast. I recommend listening to versus a movie. I recommend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ripped that one apart. Uh, you can also hear me mispronounce uh, Wrexham uh, across multiple podcasts. It's very fun. <laughs> very, very fun. Um, that's what happens when you record multiple podcasts before any of them is released. And then you start getting emails and you go, Oh dear God, I did it on multiple shows. Some might say you rexed all of them. I did rex them. You know, I did rex them. <laughs> I, I like some. Sometimes I rex them. All right. Um, uh, let's, let's wrap the show up with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Brendan, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. Yeah, the last time I was on the show, I talked about pairing a Netflix show, Top Chef, uh, sorry, Iron Chef, with uh, cooking a fantastic meal for yourself. Uh, so I, I thought it only right to come back with another Netflix show. I've been watching a show called Formula One Drive to Survive, which <laughs> I hadn't heard of, didn't really know anything about it. This is a little bit like talking about Forza Horizon, I think, where I think whenever people talk about Forza Horizon, they're like, I don't like cars, but I love this game. Um, <laughs> I feel very similar. I don't know anything about Formula One at all. That show is unreal. The idea of huh. dilating the drama of Formula One into a documentary series after the season is over so you can plot out what the actual arcs of each character, quote unquote, is going to be. Brilliant idea. 
achieved beautifully on that show. I'm I'm loving it. Man, that sounds rad. It sounds like something I'd like to check out. It's I love very it. They cool. should do that with other sports too. I feel like you could do that with like a NBA season or an NFL season. That'd be that'd be rad to like Are you, you, know, yeah. you kidding? do it like a documentary. They, they do. Right? Isn't that like the Hard Knocks Lions? Well, Hard Knocks and... is happening concurrently, right? It's it's like oh, is it? week... I thought that was after the season. Maybe I'm no, wrong. I, I'm pretty sure it's happening. I mean, it was the preseason that I watched with the oh. the, Detroit, I'm an the idiot. Detroit Lions. Yeah, all right, it's okay. What is your part? What is your parting gift, idiot? Not not idiotic <laughs> as it is that end of the year. I I say this multiple years, multiple times. Um, start thinking about your charitable giving. This time of year is is hard on a lot of people, um, for a lot of different reasons. And I think if you're in a place to be able to give back, oftentimes I find myself here at the end of the year, you get overwhelmed with specific groups, maybe that you've given to before or groups just looking for funding to hit these end of the year monetary needs and it becomes overwhelming. And I find that I kind of then don't do anything because it's like, everybody's asking and I don't know what to do. And are you a good one or not? As we're still here in October, think about what charitable giving you can do, how you can be supportive in your local community for people that, that need help, uh, whether it be emotionally or financially or with your hours and with your time and make a plan to give back. Um, my daughter's teacher uh, this year says, you can't change the world. It's a quote she's taken from someone else, but I, I like it as she uses it in class uh, with them every week. You can't change the world, but you can change someone's world. And that is always true in this time of year, especially. Think about others. Find a way to contribute to your community and make your charity plan. Lovely, lovely sentiment. Uh, I thought I would uh, use my parting gift because we had two comic book video games we talked about. We had a comic book uh, employee. Christian and I love comic books. I thought I'd do a comic book. Uh, I picked up I picked up this comic book uh, recently. It's uh, a new Brian Bendis, uh, Andre uh, Lima. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Anybody else know? Are you low? You Joe? Are you yo? I don't know. I, I apologize. Know. I don't know how to pronounce, but uh, this is phenomena. Uh, and uh, this is a um, graphic novel. Uh, I don't think it came out in uh, floppies and in, in issues. It was just a, a project that they did together. Black and white. The art is absolutely stunning. So I apologize for Andre uh, not being able to pronounce his name correctly. I'm bad at that stuff. Uh, obviously, Wexham knows. Um, but, um, it, it, this is a kind of a sci-fi concept. Uh, I'm paging through it. Like you can see it, but it's a sci-fi concept that is very unusual, very different, uh, uh, uh not kind of drawing on the same old sci-fi tropes. Uh, but it's an adventure tale with just stunning black and white art. Um, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's called uh, book. One is the golden city of eyes. And I believe uh, book two is, is being made now. So there's, there's going to be more of it. Um, but if you're looking for a standalone uh, comic book uh, story that has a high adventure and really, really stunning, stunning art, um, very highly detailed, uh, this just came out. And I, uh, I just I blind bought it on Amazon. So very cool. If you don't think you know him, please know that Bendis has written some of your favorite comics yeah. and inspired some yeah. of your favorite movie and TV show art. <laughs> if, if you enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe you like a you like a bendis idea basically <laughs> um anyway yes very uh very cool comic okay we got a listener suggested party gift this was sent to dlc feedback at gmail.com sent to us by tim from columbus 
I'm a totally uh, t- rad show fan from episode one, and I've got a parting gift for the other TRS fans in the audience. I stumbled on the YouTube account Totally Rad Show Archive, and it's been a real treat. They have what I believe to be every episode of the show in organized playlists, and recently they started posting edited videos of the old show by segment. There are every time in the Totally Rad Show played a video game, every time TRS touched grass, every as seen on TV and similar, and of course, the fan favorite, Every Dan Becomes a Man. This must have taken hours and hours of work to edit, and I've watched a ton of it. Comfort food for an uncertain time. I would think this might be a good way for people who didn't watch the show to get a glimpse of it as well. Take care, Tim from Columbus. Jeff, I will let you uh, plug the URL. (laughs) Well, uh, Tim started his uh, email by saying, Christian should probably read this because I think Jeff will be too embarrassed. <laughs> a little did Tim know, I'm not too embarrassed, but I appreciate you reading it, Christian. <laughs> I appreciate you reading it. And I appreciate Tim uh, sending it. That's very lovely. I was shocked. I got this email from Tim and I looked at the Totally Rad Show archive YouTube channel. I looked it up. I, I'm shocked. It's, it's extraordinary. I mean, this is a show that we haven't done in a decade. <laughs> Literally stopped doing a decade ago uh, literally uh so it's it's uh extraordinary to me that um someone in just like the last few months has taken the time and energy to compile this stuff uh looking back on it it's the best of times it's the worst of times we were so young we were so dumb we were so innocent uh, the world was easy <laughs> i didn't know how to comb my hair uh it's embarrassing to watch and also um, delightful. So uh, you can find it. I would give you the URL. It, um, but you can find it by just searching for the the Totally Rad Show Archive uh, YouTube channel. Uh, if you're so, so inclined cool. to see me uh, talk about video games and movies and TV shows and comic books uh, in the early 2000s <laughs> as, a, as, a wee, as a wee boy. All right. Thank you, Tim, for sending that in. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you do that. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again. Huge thanks to Brendan Bigley and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thank you to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. They made our theme song. Uh, Thanks to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash Pod. They make this show possible in a very, very real way. Uh, most particularly, our topmost patrons are hype train patrons. They get their names shouted out at the end of every episode. So we're going to do that right now. It's my turn to do the choo-choo hype train shout outs. Thank you very much to Hyperboy66, David Epp, John Cisco, Matt Valdez, Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, comedian Aaron Trahan, Sharuken, Jonathan Putney, Will with one L Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Denby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Gulas, Andy Joyce, Michael S., Kyle Starr, Riley Knox, Rob Rixman, Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob, Victor, Venezuela, Matt Bradley, Jeff Luxack, Mitchell Ness, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jimmy Radcliffe, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, the Spice Man Silencer! 
Didn't work this time. Did it, baby. Albert Vajelda Dios, Jonathan, the Spice Man Forever, Schleflifer, Stu Goss, Kevin Brazel, Ben, Scott Hughes, Jenny, Nate, Zachary White, Yick, Soren Silk, Travis, Jackson, Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Michael Stadler, Nick Strauss-Klein, Josh Peake, Taylor Wigert. Thank you all so very much. We really appreciate it. All right. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.